shoot. Yo. CrossFit keeps it funky fresh for us. Yeah, you, you got some interesting stuff on uh, videos getting reviewed and people maybe getting the boot that previously qualified. Yeah. And there's so many different layers to this, I don't even really know where to start. But if you're a listener and you're not directly involved in the CrossFit community, which I think like it's possible that we have some listeners that yeah, aren't. Some stragglers. Yeah, maybe not so much like involved in the community to the sense that they – really follow the the sport of fitness. It's more of like a training methodology for them. So quick run through of how everything worked for the last couple of years anyway, because it seemingly changes fairly regularly more than it stays the same. So for the last couple of years, we have the CrossFit Open, which is the global online competition that people sign up for. It's one workout a week for five weeks. For the majority of us, say... I don't know the exact stats, but it's over 99% of the people that do the open are just doing the open to be a part of something bigger than their community, which is their gym. And uh, it's fun because not many other sports have an opportunity for the average Joe to compete directly against, and I'm using air quotes because there's not you're not really competing against them, but you can see how you stack up against the best athletes in the world on the workout that you did and you know exactly how it felt, right. which is really cool. Like your average Joe hockey player doesn't get to hop on the ice at an NHL game and feel the game speed and feel the power and feel how fast the game moves and how quick the reactions are and how strong the players are. You don't get to hear the, you know, the blades on the ice on ice level, which is a whole experience in itself. But when like we've had people in our gym throw down an open workout at the same time that a regionals athlete that trains at our gym is doing it. And you like, you kind of get awestruck. You're like, what is happening? Right? Like how, how is this even possible? I'm doing the exact same thing. This person's doing, I know what it feels like. And they're like on a whole other level. And it, that doesn't happen. Yeah, it's true. It's pretty unique that way. Yeah, it's fun. So there's a top say 0.5%, whatever that the open actually means something for. So they would record their videos. Um, they have a set movement standard. So there's a judge at each gym that would have to take a course online in order to be a competitive athlete's judge in the open for their score to even be counted on the leaderboard initially. Five weeks go by. This process repeats itself over the five weeks. The athletes can do the workouts as many times as they want to to try to improve their score between Thursday night and Monday night. It's entirely up to them how many times they do it and their team and their coaches and whoever's guiding them. At the end of the five weeks, they get ranked on a leaderboard. Before, this year, it was a qualifier for an, I guess, in-house competition called regionals. So the top last year was 20 Previous years, it's been 40. Um, We'd all go to an on-site competition run by CrossFit HQ with CrossFit HQ judges, um, seminar staff, um, head judging staff, media staff, yada, yada, making sure the day runs smoothly. And then also that everyone's at the same level in terms of playing field. It's fair for everyone in terms of judging, scoring, Heat times, It's re- it was really, really professionally done. It was great. It was awesome. And then the top five 
last year in each region made it on to the CrossFit Games. And that was after a multi-day competition against the best of the best. Um, conditions are all the same. Um, the layout of the workouts all the same, which Dave Castro, the director of the CrossFit Games, was really passionate about. It's like a show, right? Athletes had to face a certain way when they're doing their toes to bar. They couldn't face that way. Right, like yeah. Every little detail was to make it look good also. So if you're a spectator, you know exactly what's going on. It was awesome. It's different than watching somebody do a workout at the gym uh, where you have no idea where they're at unless you've been watching them the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like chess pieces to move so you can see where everyone's at. It was it was great. Yeah, he's actually pretty creative that way. It's interesting yeah. when you hear him kind of talk a little bit about his methods behind his madness about that. Like especially when he talks about the games. Even yeah. like the idea of having like a massive rig in the center of a stadium. Like that's a spectacle, right? But we don't necessarily really think of it that way. But when he's designing a workout, he's probably like, how can I make this like the center of attention? And so yeah, that's pretty cool. And this the strides that the games were able to make in the short time that they've been going on, it's just, it's a testament to his ability to do that. There's differing opinions on the guy himself and his programming and that, but we'll leave that aside in terms of spectacle does a great job. They really did really, really well. So those top people will go on to the games. So the qualifying process, just to recap short form open online qualifier regionals in-house competition with CrossFit HQ um, controlled judging uh, workouts, flow, all that, and then the CrossFit Games. Now, this past year, regionals are now not a thing. So you take out that in-house competition for a qualifier for the CrossFit Games, and people are now able to qualify directly from the CrossFit Open. Uh, my personal opinion on this is that it's that's trash. Straight. Right away, it's, that's been my stance the whole time on this thing, because everything that I thought could go wrong has now gone wrong because there's too much discrepancy in what's going on. And I'll just go a little further with that. Like open workouts for top level athletes. Yes. You have a judge scoring you. I did the judges course. It takes half an hour to do and you sit on a couch to do it. You know what I mean? Like, so and you have as many chances as you want. Like, there's no, you just, fucking whatever, right? You're So you're putting that person who has half an hour of experience looking over movement standards, blah, 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 yeah. in charge of somebody's movement standards and movement quality and having the confidence to tell someone at a high level, no, you're doing no, it wrong. Right. Yeah, no, you're doing it wrong. No, you, no, no. And then be fast enough to tell them what they're doing wrong on the fly. Be professional. You don't have a head judge bouncing around to make sure everything's going well. It's it's a lot of pressure on that judge and that individual. And it's I'm not saying it's their fault by any means. And then you have athletes that are able to do the workouts multiple times. And then in addition to that, they only ask for two video submissions. That's for 19.1, 19.4 for most athletes. Really? I didn't know that. Two out of five. That's pretty ridiculous. So there's been 11 people that have had their scores adjusted, and I think 10 of them, that score adjustment resulted in them now not qualifying for the CrossFit Games. So that's pretty shitty. It's not... 
a con- coincidence to me. I don't think it's a big conspiracy, but it, I also don't think it's a coincidence that all 11 people have never made it to the CrossFit Games before. They got their scores adjusted. Right. And all games veterans seem to have not had their score adjusted. Multiple levels to that, too. Those people have proved their capacity over time. Right? Yeah. They're, they're veterans. So well, maybe they- I was, and they've also been exposed to the high-level judges, right? So it's for true. them, it's more just habit, I'm sure. Yeah. It's so now you have all these people that at the beginning of April got the email saying, Congratulations, you finished in the top in the world. Uh, can you please submit video 19.1, 19.4 for a review? They get an email back three weeks later saying, Unfortunately, due to XYZ, whatever the reasoning is, you've been assessed a major penalty, which is 15% deduction in reps or time or what, however the workout scored, which is also a separate issue because docking 15% of a rep score on one workout compared to the next is completely different. And then also docking 15% of, so adding 15% of time to a workout, it just doesn't equate. It doesn't work the same way. It's just a, it's a faulty system in itself. Sounds like they made it up last minute, like they did everything else. Yeah, and up hey, until this point, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Yeah, like, hey, we've watched a couple of videos where reps aren't legit. What should we do? Oh, we'll just throw in 15%. Yeah. Like, they clearly were not prepared for that. Yeah. And there's two individuals that didn't have a video for 19.1, and Cross was just like, yeah, it's cool. What? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh, my God. And that affects... No Olsen's ability to go to the CrossFit Games because those people finished ahead of him. He might end up making it to the Games due to the whole debacle of people qualifying from the Open and how it affects sectional finishing. Like, I'm pretty sure Wadapalooza is now down to the ninth-placed female who's going to the CrossFit Games now. It's just, it's it's chaos. It's complete gong show. And I feel terrible for the athletes involved because it's, it's shit. If like top to bottom, it's just not. How are you supposed to get somebody into the sport when the top level sport is a complete gong show? It's run better on a small yeah. level. I'm almost happy that this shit's happened because maybe it'll make them wake up and realize that they're idiots and need to do some planning before they totally revamp the entire sport. Yeah. You can't do it as you go along. No. The fact that they only asked for two videos, like, I'm shocked. Yeah, because that's what they used to ask for for a regionals qualification. Which, okay, but Which, okay. If we're talking like... Because you get that bumper, right? You get the, yeah. okay, fine, maybe you lied or cheated or whatever, but yeah. at least it's, you're going to get put in your place at regionals. Exactly, yeah. Whereas here, it's like we're trying to figure out who the top ones literally in the world are to decide who goes to the games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty shocking to me. Yeah, that system as a whole is the problem. That's that's a... and problem here is like people shouldn't be able to qualify for the crossfit games from the open it just doesn't make sense yeah. and it's becoming very clear right now yeah with 11 scores being adjusted like that's way too many that percentage wise is probably upwards of 33 percent a third well and who knows so they only looked at two, only looked fifth, at two. fifths of the workout so imagine they looked at the other three yeah like, it's a gong show it's just kind of maybe a couple people got lucky and had some workouts where they were not hidden reps, but they weren't two of the ones that they looked at. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. And then it goes even further, believe it or not. 
There's a guy who blatantly did 40 handstand push-ups out of 50 in 19-4. Got assessed a major penalty, but is still going to the CrossFit Games. And this, I'm not going to say any names in any of this because I don't think that's even worth it. No, it's about that's the not system. the idea. Yeah, really. I'm not trying to take anything away from any specific individual. It's just the whole system's falling apart and it's it's showing. Is that this individual consistently finishes near the top in all the online qualifiers, and then if you look at their placements at the actual event or at regionals, it's either a withdraw or like in the bottom bottom way say 10% like very low placing from the top to the bottom so that's telling me looking at that it's two things are happening maybe one cheating two not meeting the movement standards and the judges at the event are calling them out on that whereas at their friends that were scoring them in their open workouts didn't necessarily call them out on it yeah. or they didn't have a judge at all and who knows maybe they didn't even do the workout because they're not even asking for all the videos it's a gong show. And I mean, I have a... Pretty close relationship with one of the athletes that were affected. And like the character of this person is top of the line. Like top-notch, per human being, really solid, has the capacity to perform. Um, had a movement standard problem in one of the workouts that resulted in them now not going to the CrossFit Games, and that's devastating for that person. I can't even I can't even imagine what that would feel like in the roller coaster that they would go through. And it, I don't know how that person can even, you know, come to terms with it because it's so um, objective. And we saw last year Brooke Wells get a pass on some dicey movement standard stuff in one of the workouts because she showed capacity but these individuals are clearly showing capacity with a small movement standard flaw which it is a flaw i'm not defending that there's an obvious uh, miss in one of the standards um, enough that the major penalty could be applied for sure but it's just the inconsistencies year to year and athlete to athlete, depending on how many followers that person has and the, how big they are in the CrossFit world. Yeah. That's, that's shit. That can't happen. That's not professional sport. And that's what they're trying to establish at the CrossFit games. It's not going to go down this way. Like people are going to leave the sport. They're going to focus more on things like the international functional fitness federation that um, has much more clear lines of qualification and process and drug testing and everything in between. And I think that's good. Um, but it would be a shame to see like the grassroots CrossFit competitions just yeah turn into a complete mockery like this past month has been like it it's trash. That's all there is to it. Yeah, that's nuts. I didn't. I obviously wasn't up to snuff on a lot of this stuff, but now I'm <laughs> yeah. pretty shocked. Can't say I'm surprised because how how long ago was it where we sat here and talked about? these fresh new changes and speculated about possible screw-ups and mishaps. And now they're all seem to be coming to fruition. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. And then some that we didn't even think of. Yeah. Like people not submitting videos, not a thought people <laughs> intentionally, clearly intentionally not doing the number of reps they're supposed to. 
like here's the thing when you're at that level you complete an open workout you're gonna watch that workout you're going to 100 yeah. percent, and you're gonna make sure that all of your reps are good make sure you didn't miss anything make sure everything that needs to be in the video is in there to make there's no way that this person or their team or their coach didn't watch this video. So how do you miss 10? 10 reps on a strict handstand push-up that, I mean, even these guys are top of the top. Like, obviously, this guy has a capacity, but it does make a big difference. Yeah. 10 whole repetitions and then going into handstand walking and things like that. And to say, oh, I didn't know, come on. Especially when you can technically redo the workout as many times as you want. As many times, yeah. It's crazy. It's BS. Anyway. That'll be interesting to see how uh, things continue to unfold. Yeah, for sure. There's a couple more sanctioned events to go. Yeah. A few more. Well, couple I guess more. it's almost May, eh? Yeah. One of the games, like early August, mid-August. Early, late July, early August. Yeah, I think this so year. Yeah, so I think there's Granite Games still, the China CrossFit Championship. I think there's another one in Australia left. Did they already have the one in Iceland? They haven't had that. Nope. So there's that one. There's Rogue still. There's a few more. Um, hopefully those are going better. Yeah. I, I haven't really been following them that closely, to be honest with it's you. It's damn near impossible to follow. You can't watch them anywhere. Some of them have, like, shitty paid subscriptions, and then they end up putting it on YouTube before the event's over, yeah. even after people have paid, and then the coverage is <laughs> absolute shit. Yeah. They have zero commentators. There's growing that's pains, but then there's also making awful. a mockery out of your sport. And that's, uh, I mean, we're teetering here. It's pretty close to going off the edge here. Yeah, and it's pretty obvious shit. Like, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just like, it's almost like laziness. Yeah. That's what it seems like. For sure. It's, it's the athletes that suffer too. That's the frustrating part. It's uh, yeah. when anytime a big organization like this or, I mean, staying out of politics as far as possible, but punishing people like teachers, the, the only people that suffer are students. In this case, the only people that are suffering are, are the athletes. Like the gym doesn't suffer. CrossFit HQ doesn't suffer. All those people, like the doors are still open, the wheels are still turning, everything's right. going fine. It's the athletes and the amount of suffering and just like, like CrossFit is not a glamorous sport to train for. Like you're you're grinding it out day in and day out to build up that capacity to perform. Um, and I hate the whole, oh, I sacrifice a lot for this, but if I were to say one sport would involve the sacrifice, just if nothing else, the resources, whatever, just of time. It's not a sacrifice when you want to qualify for something, and that's a sport that you choose to compete in. I don't believe that's a sacrifice, but more of like a, a commitment to the time that it would take to get that good in all the different areas that the sport demands. Um, it's hours. Of, it's hours a day, hours a day. Like, I think the only person who had, yeah, I don't know. I'm not even gonna go down that path. It doesn't really matter, but. It's uh, it's it's pretty sad to to see that taken away from somebody uh, from from I mean eleven well ten I guess eleven one guy got off the hook and he's the worst culprit of them all in my opinion just from track record and it's like ten people are now their dreams are have been taken away from them now 
fix it, right? If, if you're one of the 10 athletes, like know what happened. Yes, it sucks, but then fix the problem that you had. Yeah. Whatever it was. Um, see, all 10 is like a movement standard sort of problem. So um, you just have to be, it can't be any question. Like if you're watching your video and you're like, ah, I just don't know. Like Dan, for example, doing the Rogue Invitational qualifier, he had one workout, there was shoulder and overhead in it, and his knees were just like kind of soft on enough of the reps that it's like, ah, just redo. I don't know. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, and just redid it. He ended up doing better, which is a great thing to have happen, but that's just that's something on the athlete. Like You just have to do your due diligence, and you can have as many friends and family um, and like training partners watch the video um, and like hopefully like if you're the one watching you gotta be you gotta be on it if nobody's to blame in any of these situations I don't think it's just, it's like none of it was intentional nobody cheated on purpose um, clearly if you're sending in a video to CrossFit games you you truly believe in your heart that you met all the standards and, and all that stuff with the exception of the one Except guy the one <laughs> <laughs> That, that, oh, man. that guy's genius. Uh, yeah, he cheated his way into the cross. I'm going to find out who you're talking about. Yeah, I'll tell or you. I'll just ask you after. I'll tell you after. I just don't want to. Yeah. It's not It's not our goal here to call people, individuals out and make them feel terrible as if they actually care what we think. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a dicey situation. It's too bad. Well, we are going to talk about a few other things today. Yeah. That was our intro. Yeah. <laughs> Introduced the day. We just rambled for how long? Sometimes the intros are the best part. Yeah. Because now you're sitting there wondering what today's episode is actually <laughs> We're going to keep talking about movement standards. We're going to talk actually a little bit about some uh, booze and summer's coming up. Yeah. A lot of people tend to... Start hitting the old wobbly pop a little bit more than <laughs> usual. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to talk about this, not only in terms of like body composition, but also fitness goals, I think. Yeah. Um, so we're coming at this from the perspective of so someone wants to do absolutely everything in their power that they can to whether it be hit those goals of, you know, fat loss, weight loss, body comp, or hit those performance goals. So in CrossFit, maybe like qualify for an event or whatever it is. Cause we don't, I mean, maybe we will get into this a little bit, but if someone's out there, you know, they train hard five days a week, love it. They're really good, but they don't necessarily, it's not their number one priority and they love to, hit the booze every weekend and enjoy it. Who cares? Like, yeah, that's, totally. it's not a big deal. It doesn't bother me. It's not bothering them. Yeah. So that's not really what we're going for here. This is for, like I said, the people who are, they kind of have that number one priority and they have their mindset on doing whatever they can to hit that goal. And maybe we'll still talk about some things that those, the weekend warriors can do if they do want to kind of semi mitigate things, but not totally. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah, without going off the deep end too far, go too far one way. Yeah. In the summertime, which I mean, the nice weather brings that out. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, for for top athletes, um, especially in season, it's just something that it just simply can't really happen. Off season, sure, if you're not prepping for something specific, you have the odd pop with your friends or whatever. That's a, I mean, it's not really going to be a huge detriment to you. But it's one of those things you kind of can't have both on in peak season. Yeah. For sure. I think that's why it's important to talk about is because people think that they can have both. Yeah. Um, I, I think kind of like one of the more interesting things for me is the people who want to put it this way. Someone has a weight loss goal. They say, Chet, I want to hit this body weight, lose this amount of fat by X date, whatever. So, you know, we're working away, we're cleaning up their diet, tracking macros, so on and so forth. They kind of have some early progress, maybe in the first few weeks, month or two even. And then kind of a little bit longer down the road, um, as we continue, we kind of come up to a plateau. And then they wonder, like, what the hell is going on? Like, I've been doing everything, you know, I'm, I'm eating these foods you're telling me, I'm hitting my macros, I'm training, you know, this many times a week, even my sleep is okay, what's, what's going on here? Then we sit down and take a look at their weekend and then find out, oh, well, you're having like six, seven drinks on average, like once or twice a weekend. And they don't really appreciate that. Like if these are your goals, you are not going to hit that if you maintain this. Right. Maybe like long term, maybe you'll get there, but it's going to be a whole, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to do so if you're still kind of on that path. And you may never even get there, in fact. Yeah. Because the big thing, especially with with uh, specific weight loss goals or body comp or performance, is consistency over time is what it comes down to. Yeah. So if your body is constantly going through the ebbs and flows of your week, which involves really good um, nutrition and care for yourself through the week in terms of sleep and stress and everything else, and then um, you're having – those six or seven drinks, which is going to equate to quite a different caloric intake um, in multiple ways. So I've heard it kind of go one way where people like won't eat because they know they're going to be drinking. Right. (laughs) So just stay within their macros. That's completely absurd. It is. And then the other way um, people have more drinks and then their, their eating tends to get a little bit more loose. Right. And then the, the side effect of that happening was them beating themselves up for two days on like say Monday, Tuesday, being way too strict on themselves, not having a good time, stressing themselves out. Then by the time they come around to feeling okay again, it's like Wednesday, they got Wednesday, Thursday in them, just being good to themselves, you know, positive thinking and having a good time. And then like eating well, fueling well, training at the gym and, or doing whatever they're doing, walking their dog. It doesn't have to be training at the gym. And then Friday it's go time again. Those at inconsistent, your body's constantly, and we've talked about this before, and Chet's gone into the nitty gritties of the science on this, is just your body's trying to be in that balanced state. That's where it's trying to find that, wherever it is. And when you're constantly throwing curveballs of caloric intake and macronutrient breakdown, as well as throwing alcohol into the mix and sleeping patterns getting weird, like your body just can't do it. So you're asking your body to do something that you're not 
creating an environment for it to do. And if your goal truly isn't to lose the weight, then like Chet said, who cares? Have fun, do whatever you want to do. But if you actually want to qualify for this or whatever your goal is in any way, you have to act in line with that. Otherwise, that's just not your goal. And you have to be okay with that and forgive yourself and be like, okay, you know what? Actually, I don't really want that. And that's totally okay too. But you can't have you can't, yeah, you have, can't both. have both. That's that's silliness. And can you have an off track a meal? You know, you go out and you have a couple of drinks. Sure. That's that's not gonna be a big problem. But it's when you're consistently throwing curveballs at your body, it has no idea yeah. what to do where you get yourself into trouble. And it's those, uh, it's the binge drinking episodes that'll really mess you up. I'm not talking about a couple drinks here because nothing more that I, or I can't talk, <laughs> nothing that I love more. I had a few before the show. <laughs> nothing that I love more than it's having a, a few on a hot summer day. Yeah. But yeah, it's the binge drinking. And it's not even, so this is where the confusion comes in. Like you kind of alluded to this, people trying to include or trying to count their drinks, I guess, and include it into their macros, um, not eat as much throughout the day and then drink more at night. It's, yeah, it doesn't really work because, well, for one, alcohol is its own macro. There's actually, there's four macronutrients, carbs, proteins, fats, and alcohol. So this is where, and we're going to just pause very quick here soon, but this is where the confusion comes in because and people bring this up all the time. They say, like, if we have a check-in or whatever, they say, like, what's going on? I was trying to record my alcohol this weekend. Um, you know, I put this, this, this in, but the calories don't seem to add up. And, well, it's because it's its own macronutrients. So you can't really fit it in that way. I mean, sure, you can to in an attempt to mitigate things. But, yeah, there's a lot more going on there. That means because it's its own it is its own macronutrient when you're when you are drinking the alcohol you're not going to be burning the other calories the other fat so it kind of puts like your natural fat burning abilities on hold essentially while you drink the alcohol so that's kind of reason one why it doesn't necessarily mix in so well so i mean i guess in simple terms what that means is that when you're drinking you're you're essentially going to have much slower quote-unquote metabolism during that time period of drinking so that's one issue um the hormones is another big big issue then this kind of so this comes back to the whole performance thing um you know whatever your sport of choice is if you're doing this binge drinking you're gonna have your cortisol is gonna go up like during the drinks for a long time afterwards as well um testosterone goes down goes down like relatively early i believe like you don't have to have many for um the body to show a decrease in testosterone seems around like five or six drinks say and then of course like the higher you go the more that's going to drop because it kind of it acts as um we have to remember alcohol is a toxin right so this is why a lot it triggers a lot of these effects like we're literally consuming this toxin. So why would cortisol go up? Well, because cortisol stimulates these stress adaptive mechanisms because we're consuming toxin. That's a stressor. Um, why would testosterone go down? Because it's a testicular toxin. So that's mm-hmm. going to drop. Um, so this, 
the drop in testosterone would be both in males and females. So again, if your goal is to, you know, lift as much weight as possible, get fitter, you're going to want that hormone to support that performance. So if you have this decrease acutely and then even for an extended period of time after that binge drinking, well, that's going to affect that. And then if you're doing that every weekend, like you said, over time, it's just going to kind of eventually just going to come down altogether and may not bounce back right away. Right. And then uh, another thing is you'll actually, again, binge drinking. So let's say you hit a heavy weight training session um, where your goal is um, hypertrophy. So gaining strength, muscle mass. If you are binge drinking afterwards, you can, it can have this like blunting effect on the mTOR signal. So the mTOR just stands for mammalian target of rapamycin. So when you crush that post-workout protein shake, when you lift those heavy weights, all of these are stimulating mTOR. So this is the, it's literally the muscle building. It's, it's not just muscle building, it's cellular growth, but this is, it's the anabolic signal that leads to muscular growth. So this is what you want post-training. And if you're going through this binge drinking, then that also blunts that, I think by like, say like 15 to 20%, which is pretty profound. Yeah. So I guess this is, that's kind of, um, I guess one way you could mitigate things. Like when you start to kind of peep into each of these mechanisms. So like, if you look at the mTOR thing, okay, we have a blunting of this, um, anabolic signal. So what does that tell us? Well, probably not. If you know, you're going to go out drinking that night, probably not the best idea to go and crush yourself in terms of heavy weight training session, um, like slow eccentric movements causing muscle breakdown, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Cause you're just not going to repair. And that people probably think the other way around, like, Oh, I'm going out drinking tonight. So I really need to like crush myself that and earn the drinks, yeah. but no, it's backwards. Um, it's very, very similar to when we talked about training when sick, mm-hmm. people think I'm, you know, I'm needing some help to repair and recover. So I really need to crush myself and kind of bump up the system. Well, no, but like, remember that exercise is a stressor. You have to recover. You're not adapting during it. It's after. So heavy strength training during probably not a good idea. Alcohol, massive inflammatory insult. So again, probably not a good idea to do some heavy strength training where you're breaking down muscle and stimulating more inflammation because then you got two hits of inflammation from the booze, from the session, smashed them together. And again, you're not going to recover. So that's not your best bet. So if you had to pick, you'd probably want to just do some aerobic activity, get yeah. the heart rate up, get breathing, get sweating. That was going to be my question because I'm sure some of our listeners are coming back from like wherever they're playing hockey or whatever. And yeah. they're, they're going into their off season. And uh, I mean, we both been in that before the off season time. It's like game on yeah, <laughs> right? the whole, exactly. the whole summer you're, you're home. Finally you're with your like original friends. And I mean, if you're from Stratford Mitchell area or Dorchester, like we are, <laughs> yeah. uh, there's not a whole lot to do as a 20, year old kid in your hometown then right. get together with your buddies and 
have a few drinks. Oh yeah. And you look forward to it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's not something that I would have been willing to give up at that age. So, yeah. um, I guess mitigating that or using your week appropriately, using your off season appropriately, like front load your weeks for your strength days. Yeah. If you know you're going to be drinking Friday, Saturday, it's like take it easy Saturday or Friday, maybe go to the track with your buddies and, you know, run around a little bit. And Saturday, once you roll out of bed, maybe go get some hot yoga in or some, some sort of movement thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, do something active like go fishing or I don't know whatever you want to do go to yeah. the beach play some frisbee play some catch something like that uh, Sunday you're going to need to recover and then I guess Monday you can get back on it a little bit understand fully that you're not going to get the, re- the results that you could otherwise yeah. but if it's not a lifestyle that you're willing to give up it's kind of like a give and take like how much can I get out of this and still get that that's right yeah yeah. So you might as well be a little bit strategic in how you work things in, I figure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, because thinking back, there's no way I would have given that up in a million years. Yeah, nor Not would I have. No. And I don't regret it one bit. No, me either. It's funny, though, like in hindsight, I – so I was, I guess, what you would call the weekend warrior, right? Like summer training for hockey, training a lot too, like mm-hmm. trying to get bigger, stronger, faster, but then crushing myself on the weekend, literally getting crushed. Yeah. There was quite a, quite often during those days. And I mean, for reference, I'm, I don't know, this is probably like late teens, early twenties. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of times where I was thinking and wondering like, or I just felt that I felt that I could never really get to like, the body composition that I felt I should have been at based on how hard I was training and working out. Mm -hmm. Like I would, not that I was eating like terribly clean at that point in time, but like pretty good, probably better than the average late teen, early 20 year older working out a ton, you know, manual labor at work, eating lots as well. Mm -hmm. But I honestly found that once I started to, reduce the booze intake like years later that's when I found my body comp like I say increase but when I say increase I mean like significantly improved like way more than it ever had in the past from training less too sure there may have been like a little bit of training too much in the past but probably only because I was losing on the side and I wasn't properly recovering and I wasn't adapting. So I don't know. Yeah. From personal experience, I found that that was like the biggest, um, changer of all, especially for body comp. But actually, even if I think back to in junior hockey, like a couple, so it was pretty regular for during the season, whatever, like big one Friday night, you go out, get crushed Friday night, and then maybe you have a game Saturday. If not Saturday, you have one Sunday. Like you're always drinking at least like drinking pretty heavily at least one time per weekend. That's like for junior hockey, that's the norm. Like that's just kind of how things are. But then once playoffs roll around, a lot of guys would kind of lay off. Not everyone, but a lot of guys. Some guys would kind of do it like at the end of every round. Some guys would just go cold turkey. And it was amazing like – I found that during that time in the playoffs, if I would go cold turkey, like for an extended period of time, like even like a month or longer, like you feel amazing on the ice and even just recovering in between games. And it's like, 
my God, like I'm not really doing <laughs> that much different. I'm just not crushing myself every weekend and I feel incredible. Yeah. Yet guys just keep doing it. Yeah. Over yeah. and over and over again. So it's, it's funny. It's yeah, I mean, we're talking about a drug that's just so bad for you too. Like, there's no, there's no benefit. Yeah, it's it's a poison, and if it it's, was illegal, it would be so strictly enforced because it's so terrible for you and has such a high uh, percentage of addiction and things like that. Yeah. That like you wouldn't be able to get your hands on it. Like, it would be harder to get your hands on than meth, probably. Yeah. Right. Like, it's just. Be, it's just, it's illegal and it's sold in a store. So anyone can get their hands on it as long as they're 19 years old, but you can't overlook how terrible it is for you. It, there's nothing good in it. Yeah. It's crazy. Actually. Yeah, there's like so many, bad it is there's you. so many of these bullshit studies as like, Oh, a glass of wine a day decreases your risk of cardiovascular health. Like you're doing survey studies on mass numbers of people yeah. that are short term and you're making projections and just, creating some sort of correlation based on the numbers that you want to see. Like all those studies are garbage. Like you have to understand that your Facebook studies that you're sharing with your friends, tagging your favorite drinking buddy, like, Hey man, we're good. Like that's not a good study. <laughs> it's a correlation graph basically that people just put together to make it fit their, yeah, their drinking habits. Uh, so don't, don't overlook that. There's no alcohol receptors in your body. You don't need it. It's not an essential nutrient. <laughs> it's uh, even though it's its own macro, not an essential macro. <laughs> no, I'm undecided on like the one or two drinks. And, and I'm talking about everyday thing. Like one or so let's say you're having a glass of wine every single night. I'm a little undecided on that. Probably not the best practice. If we're talking like two, three, four times a week, even having a glass or one beer every, like every night, Probably doesn't matter. Probably not going to hurt you. But like you said, it's like if we look at other banned substances, marijuana, no longer banned, but alcohol, way worse for mm -hmm. the brain, especially. Um, I'll probably get some slack for saying these other ones, but I don't really care. Um, that's why we do this podcast. We can say whatever we want. People um, can disagree. It's all good. Mushrooms. Yeah. Alcohol thousand times worse than mushrooms dude remember in health class when people used to tell you mushrooms would make your brain bleed <laughs> yeah it's fuck? quite the opposite yeah. oh we should actually God. we should have an episode on this maybe coming up just on psilocybin itself or well not yeah maybe <laughs> not even i was gonna say like that and even like lsd um a few other ones just as more of like an eye opener yeah than anything yeah because i don't think people appreciate like propaganda strong yeah, that's right. There's some pretty mind-blowing studies on this stuff right now. Like mushrooms able to literally generate new neural connections in the brain. Like it's, yeah, it's insane. We'll kind of go down that rabbit hole later on, I think. Mm -hmm. And again, this is assuming you're not doing that like every day. Mm -hmm. But people are doing what they call microdosing psilocybin now, where they just take like a, it's like a small enough dose of psilocybin where it doesn't even get you high. So like you could take it and go to work and they're finding that that's beneficial for, like I said, like brain health, neuroprotective properties, neural growth in the brain, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, same thing with LSD, not saying people should start crushing that like on a daily basis, but there's a lot of similarities there as well.
terms of like promoting brain <clears throat> cell growth and health. And so, yeah, doesn't seem to be too many negative properties to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, probably shouldn't say this one, but there even seems to be some benefit of MDMA for mm-hmm. people with PTSD actually. And MDMA has a ton of negative side effects for sure. So it's not really on the same spectrum as like the cannabis, the psilocybin, um, even the LSD. So if you're like a recreational user trying to justify it, no, I'm just saying that's not how you're talking. We're not treating anyone with alcohol, but we are maybe treating people with ecstasy. Yeah. Yeah. You're not talking about recreational use. You're talking about, Medicinal yeah, use exactly. in studies that you yeah. read. Yeah. Like planned, deliberate, <clears throat> deliberate like controlled yeah. conditions, not taking it while you're drinking 20 beers alongside it. Yeah, we're not talking about Coachella right now. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about a lab study. That's true. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. What were we talking about? Alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I mean... I think the biggest thing for people to, to get back on track is just to not take themselves too seriously. If it's um, because if you're, if you're engaging in these activities on the weekend, like you're as much as you can say it as much as you want, but your goal isn't to do what the top level athletes are doing or what that perfect body composition for you is like you, you just, yeah. you, you truly, and that it, that's, that's totally okay, but you just truly don't care that much. Um, or it's just not a priority for you at that time. You'd rather spend time with your friends and have a couple of drinks and, and all that's completely right. fine, but you can't, you can't go and have like a deep depression afterwards and just call yourself a loser. And, Oh, I can't believe I did that. And all this stuff. I mean, if you want to have a good time, have a good time, do your thing. Um, but you can't necessarily, especially the binge drinking. Um, yeah, that's, you just can't have both. You just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not sure, like take two to three months off where you have no more than a drink at a time. If you're like a consistent binge drinker, or even if you're consistently having like, say a total of what would equal an average of like, two or three drinks a day, like go for a span of time without that and just see how you feel mm-hmm. see how it goes. Yeah. Especially if you're on the fence about your goals, like maybe you're wondering why you're not hitting them, not feeling as good as you'd like to just give it a shot. And I guarantee it'll make a massive difference. I'm not trying to convince people to like stop drinking or anything. It's just kind of, it's just another tool to have in your toolbox that you can try. Yeah, a little experiment. Just like yeah. trying intermittent fasting for a little while. Yeah. It's a little experiment that you can try and see how your body reacts to it. See if you feel better, keep doing it. If you don't, don't. I mean, yeah. Everyone's exactly. a little bit different, but that one's a pretty much a guarantee to make you feel a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> sleeps will sleeps will be better too. Yeah. It'll probably be worse at first, especially for somebody who kind of uses that to help you sleep at night because you're stressed and it's like, oh, I'll have a glass of wine and yeah. go to sleep your routine is going to be disrupted. So that's going to affect your sleep at first. But if you, if you just battle that out for a week or so, you'll find that your, your sleep quality will yeah. drastically improve. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't, I don't think I even mentioned that in my rant, but um, yeah, 
if those binge drink, I think most people already know this, like when you're going to bed loaded, you're not even sleeping. Like it's the same idea as when you're taking, um, like sleeping meds to sleep. Like you're not even really sleeping. Like there, like there's several different types of brain waves that you're going through when you're sleeping that cycle you in and out of like REM, non-REM, um, deep sleep. And like when you're taking those sleep drugs, you're not getting into those, you're not getting into that Delta wave, slow wave sleep. And so it, it's, it's literally just knocking you out is all it's doing. So, but alcohol is the exact same thing. Like you're not actually getting that sleep. So like you said, yeah, hundred percent. Like if you get rid of it, maybe it'll disrupt it a wee bit early on. If you're like an anxious person and use like a drink or two at night to kind of calm you down and get to sleep. But that'll definitely turn around and especially like imagine if you could get an extra like 12 hours sleep every week. That's what you'd be doing if you kind of cut out that those binge drinking episodes just for a little bit, see how you feel and then go from there. That's so that goes into it, too. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, just a carryover effect of a night of drinking game over especially now oh my god oh i know if i have any more than five drinks like i'm a potato for the whole next day can't move feel like trash so then for me that makes me not eat for some people it makes them excessively eat yeah like i'll have my first meal at like three in the afternoon and it's usually just whatever i can muster up it doesn't take a lot anymore because uh i mean yeah I kind of took a whole 180 when I was like 22, I think is probably when Ditto. I switched, switched my lifestyle up drastically. Um, I mean, you don't really realize how bad you feel until you stop doing that stuff to yourself. But um, yeah, the tolerance goes in a hurry. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a debacle. If I tried drinking now on a weekend, what I did when I was like 21 years old, good Lord. I think I'd get Help halfway there and up. Oh, I'd get halfway <laughs> there and probably be on the toilet talking into the big white phone. <laughs> yeah. It's rough. Oh, God. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I went to Boots and Hearts a few times in my past. Which is like, if you've never been there, it's a long weekend and you're literally drinking all day, every day for at least like three days straight. I remember coming back from that and then going back to work. I would never go back to work, I don't think, like the very next day. But even going back to work, like, I would say two and even three days, maybe even four days after that last day at boots and hearts like i'm still (laughs) walking around like a complete zombie like you don't even it's weird you don't feel you don't feel hung over but you just have zero focus you can't put a sentence together like your memory is just crap your boss tells you what to do that something you've done a hundred times and then you go to do it and you just have no idea what's even going on like just full potato it's rough yeah yeah couldn't do something like that now, that's for sure. Nope. Be a 10-day recovery. <clears throat> yeah, it's not worth it. Not worth it. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're uh, a recreational athlete or you're training 
just to, you know, be moving and healthier and don't really have any huge aspirations or specific things that need attendant attending to. Yeah. Like you're not prepping for some sort of fitness competition or you're not chasing a certain goal weight or prepping for a competition that you're in hopes of winning or going into a tryout for a team that you want to make it then mitigate the damage. Yes. If you are doing one of those things, though, you can't have both. Yeah. You That's just the thing. Take a serious look in the mirror. Yeah. And make up your mind. Yeah. That's all I got. I think I'm out too. I got nothing. Yeah. It's a nice day. We should get out and have a drink on yeah. the balcony. <laughs> Chet's birthday today. So all you guys can wish him a happy belated one week late birthday when this episode comes out. Yep. Might still be hung over. <laughs> JK, co- coaching tonight. Yeah, no, no gotta problems. go. Gotta go. Couple guests in the works. Yeah. Speaking of the whole like cannabis route, get some people in on that. Yeah, Hot cool. topic right now. Very cool. The whole legalization or yeah. is it decriminalized or legalized? It's strange. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. This is why we're going to have someone on to talk <laughs> yeah, to us about it. Exactly. To explain exactly what you're doing. I mean, if you've always been a recreational user, it doesn't make a difference for you because <laughs> you were getting your hands on it uh, one way or another. It doesn't really matter. But if you're new or interested or have questions about the what cost benefits and what it could do for you. Um, I find a lot of people don't even know the difference between THC and CBD. Yeah. Which is... Yeah. yeah. Have you heard of, uh, oh yeah, you've probably heard of him because I think you were the one that told me about him on Joe Rogan podcast, Dr. Steve Hart. I don't know if Mike it's Hart. Steve, Mike Hart. Um, yeah. Yeah. From London. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. If anyone's interested and wants to learn a little bit more like right away, I would follow him on Twitter, Instagram. He's a medical doc in London expert on using cannabis for therapeutic purposes essentially yeah he's got some cool stuff yeah and that debate on joe rogan was pretty decent i still need to listen to that it's a it's fairly i mean joe rogan's obviously a, an advocate um and dr hart is as well um and they have some really good points i forget the name of the guy that they were even debating on because i disagreed with him so much i like blocked <laughs> him out of my brain but uh it's it's always interesting to have the polar extremes debating. I yeah. like that. Like yeah. the, this guy is like so far anti cannabis and they're so pro cannabis. That was a really cool conversation. We're going to have some athletes in yeah. do like interview style podcasts with them. Talk about their journey. And I, I mean, I like listening to athletes talk and their mindset and their approach to different things, especially the higher level ones. Yeah. Um, totally. That have kind of made a breakthrough. Uh, which not a lot of people get to experience. A lot of people try really, really hard and do their best and just never have that breakthrough. Some people got it. So it's cool to talk to them and yeah. hear their story, listen to somebody other than us. See if they apply any of the gibberish we talk about. Yeah, you wonder. See if they experiment with anything. Yeah. It's funny because so many of them have similarities too in terms of – like some people are just – they're winners, you know? You know what I mean? Like, oh, you talk to some yeah. people and you're just like, yeah, you have that thing. Right. I'm not really sure what yeah. it is, but 
it's either like a posture when they're saying stuff or a, a specific phrase or word that they use. It's like, yeah, this person doesn't lose. Yeah. And if they do, it's not a loss to them. It's just like the cheesy, like learning experience and they get, they grow from it or whatever. Yeah, but what yeah, it's kind of cool. All right. I'm out. I got nothing. Yeah, that's it. If you're a Leafs fan, sorry. Sorry, they got put out last night, but hopefully by the time you're listening to this, you'll be moved on. Hopefully. I'm not even a Leafs fan. I just feel horrible for Leafs fans. (laughs) Like, brighter days are coming, I would say. Let's hope so. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I don't like the Bruins either, so. Yeah. They're done. Like, they've had their time, you know. Chara's like 50 years old. Um, yeah. Be nice to see the Leafs beat at least the Bruins for once. Yeah, is that like six times the Bruins have Something eliminated the Leafs? Something crazy. Yay. That's a rough goal. Yeah. All right. Enjoy the nice weather. And have a good week. <laughs>